I've got about 10 seconds to tell you about how you can get two-for-one tickets for top draw comedy nights near you thanks to our friends at the TV channel Dave at absoluteradio.co.uk. Also, I've got to tell you about how you can win a five-night trip to the New York Comedy Festival while you're there, too. But I've run out of time. Absolute Radio. Frank Skinner. And we're off. Hey, it's the Not The Weekend podcast. I'm Frank Skinner. I'm with uh, Alan Cochran. What's up? And Emily Dean. Ah, the A-team are back in residence. (laughs) The A-team as well. Doesn't it feel lovely? It's like I've got me me best bath, bath crystals back. Oh. After a period on the road where you were just using, like... Use whatever no, no, we got in the is, hotel. Uh, it's George Best crystals. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be uh, mm. worth seeing. So, um, yes, this is... Uh, well, you know what it is. If you've tuned in, you probably know what it is. If you don't... Mm. Um, hey, course, stick around. Of course, they don't really tune into a podcast, do they? they don't uh, they? What do they do? They click, I suppose. Oh. Plug in. Mm. Or they might have just found it on somebody else's well, again, that sounds a bit 80s wide for sound. Oh, don't you talk think... about Cliff Richard, not on absolute radio. No, don't do that. <gasps> Are you suggesting that they've, uh, some sort of mogger might be listening to this, having nicked someone else's <laughs> <I> iPod? <laughs> or the uh, the man who owns the motorhome company where I, I lost my iPod and then I didn't dare ask for it back because I'd had a heated conversation with him. Was it over money, Cockrell? No, it was okay. over him. It was over him. I didn't like his way. Oh, OK. Anyway. <laughs> Anyway. He didn't like his way, but he loves your iPod. And isn't yeah, that, isn't I hope he's enjoying that. Yeah, I feel bad about Cliff. I don't know if you know about this, but Cliff's upset because absolute 60s. Yeah. The new... Uh, yeah. How, how low can they go? <laughs> what, are they not? You? Do you think they'll go 50s? Will they try that? It's, uh, yeah, 50s is a musical era that yeah. people talk about. I'd say I'd love it. If they, if they start going 1910s and stuff like that, <laughs> oh, that would be so brilliant. Oh, might be starting uh, yeah. to do a glimpse of stocking and all sorts. Oh, man, the rights of spring. <laughs> yeah, but anyway, Cliff, um, just as you bring it up, Cliff yeah. is upset that he... Uh, they're not going to play Cliff no. on, on Absolute 60s. Hasn't he had this happen to him before? With He's always been dropped by radio stations. Oh, poor Cliff. To be honest, it happens every time he releases any music. <laughs> we'll put upon Cliff. If he just... And I'm not saying for a second that he's, you know, that he's, he's been deceptive about his sexuality. I think he's been completely straightforward. Who knows what it is? But if, let's it's, okay, it's OK, we can edit. But if... Um, no, no, it's not, <laughs> no, I don't know. I don't know no, I, about I know. Cliff's sexuality. It's not my business. But if he did come out and say, look, I am a... a let's say he said I'm a roaring homosexual... <laughs> Roaring. Roaring? Where's he got Brian Blessed? I think it would be more difficult. Can we say Brian Blessed? We know nothing about his sexuality. No, but he's roaring. It would be more difficult to drop him. The trouble is he doesn't fall into any of the, the categories that can say, you know, you're picking on me. Mm. No. Because he's, uh, he's just, you know, successful and slim. And uh, I, I suppose he could say it was ageism. Yeah, he could. That's, yeah. His, that's all he's got. And, and let's face it, on Absolute 60, there's going to be a few people playing that card <laughs> from the artist. Well, no, he's got, he's got an ailment, hasn't he? A bathroom-based ailment. What's and that? I don't know if that's true either. What? <laughs> Isn't it? No. Is that a weak bladder or something? <laughs> I don't know what... Well, we have to we have to no. pick a very fine line. I yeah, don't think okay. he has. No. I don't, okay. I, I don't okay. think he does carry extra luggage. I've, okay. I've been very close to him, and he, <laughs> he wears extremely tight clothes. There's no room for any attachments. Yeah. Oh, right. Well, he had leather full length leathers during Heathcliff. 
Det har jeg. Matrix. I bet no one muttered that at the time. No. But I, um, I like uh, a lot of Cliff's 60s music. He's yeah. great. Mm. Yeah. I, think, I think they're missing out. I mean, not far be it for me to, con- you know, comment on company policy. But I'd be happy to hear a bit of, uh, you know, Summer Holiday, The Young Ones. I stand behind any decision our uh, MD makes. <laughs> That's fair enough. Yeah. Well, I'm standing with Cliff. Mm. I'd say that as well. In so many I'm a, ways. I'm adhering to the no-repeat guarantee. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's one thing to be not repeated, to be not played. <laughs> anyway. Maybe they should just play him once and then say, look, we've got this guarantee thing. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> I'd have, I was, I was going to pick uh, four Cliff Richard tracks on the show last week <laughs> and just play them. <laughs> The, 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 the I love your back. willful perversity. It's one of your yeah, finest qualities. You like yeah, that's, that, that's one of my best tracks ever. <laughs> willful perversity. Yeah. Now, willful perversity seems kind of good to me. I think it's a Berlusconi track, isn't it? <laughs> it's it actually about Frank Lloyd Wright. <laughs> um, Frank, you've been doing a few interviews this week. Yes, I'm. Uh, I'm plugging. I'm on the plug oh. this week. How's it going? Um, it's all right. I, I, I'm all right when I just do an interview. Because, you know, you, when you do an interview and you're just chatting about the project, then, because uh, what happens is that Room 101 is coming back in January with me hosting it, right? And uh, so I'm doing interviews to plug that. You know, mm-hmm. you one has certain obligations. And I don't mind just chatting about it, but sometimes you get the themed interview that needs a bit of prep. Mm. And that's oh. quite hard work. Like this week I had... Uh, Ten best double acts. And you oh. have to give that a bit of thought, you know. Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, that's uh, 20 people you've got to think about. 20 there. people, exactly. What, what did you plump for? Well, I had 19 people. I left out Ernie Wise. <laughs> I think I might upset some Morecambe and Wise fans by suggesting that I think Eric Morecambe could have operated on a have-I-got-news-for-you policy of just having a different bloke <laughs> every week. It wouldn't have been any less funny. Oh, yeah, because the, the thing they always say is, oh, yeah, but he was very good, Wise, don't they? They always say, oh, yeah, that's, it, that's the clever a really thing to important say. role, didn't he? Yeah, yeah of that's course. That's what they always say. Yeah, of course he wasn't. Yeah, he was just fine. He just happened <laughs> just to be standing, he's standing next to a brilliant a comedian. man. Yeah. But anyway, so we had that discussion, and I, I started off, you know, on a, obviously you have like um, Peter Cook, Dudley Moore, and um, oh, yeah. and Morecambe Wise, yeah. and uh, Lit- two Ronnies, uh, two Ronnies, of mm. course. Laurel and Hardy, Hardy obviously was the number mm. one. Mm-hmm. Uh, by the end of it, Saint and Greavesy. I, was, uh, <laughs> I loved Saint and Greavesy. But Saint and Greavesy, yeah, one of the great forgotten double acts I think of all they were time. Even I Brilliant. liked them. Brilliant. They, I'm um, so glad you put Saint and Greavesy. Yeah, on they this. represented a, a, a flux in sports journalism because um, a, a, a real changing point where Ian St John um, he represented straight, you know, mm. dull uh, TV sports broadcasting. Still carried on, you know, but then uh, Greavesy was the guy who, 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 was, who sort of there wouldn't be a, a match of the day too, there wouldn't have been a fantasy yeah. football without Greavesy. I'm he happy to say that. He was the sort of that. opinionated mate, wasn't he? He was great. And um, Ian St John, not so much a straight man as a, as a member of the audience brought yeah. up on stage because he just <laughs> laughed, is what he did. He laughed and went, oh, Greavesy, in disbelief. <laughs> Brilliant. That's like me on this show, except yeah. I say, Frank. That's a bit harsh. I put the crankies in there. Did you? Yeah, I put... Because um, I saw them recently. They absolutely 
they, you know, they've gone sort of, they've taken on a sort of Brechtian approach. <laughs> no way. They have. Have oh. they eradicated the fourth wall? They have. <laughs> the theatre of alienation, they're big fans of. They've ripped down the I fourth wall into the a pile of rubble now. and then they've urinated on it. That's what they've done to the <gasps> fourth they? wall. At one Crankies point. have gone Brechtian, <laughs> Honestly, at one point, uh, we Jimmy Cranky danced around the stage, holding up. Uh, an old age pensioner's bus pass singing Fandabadosa. <laughs> <laughs> it was a complete bright. Honestly, Ian at one point said, Why weren't you in school this morning, Jimmy? And uh, Jimmy says, well, for one thing, I'm a 61-year-old woman. <laughs> fantastic. I thought you were back I, on St. and Greavesy there for Alienation a techniques. Very mm. knowing. Yeah, it was incredibly, but brilliant. So I loved that. And Richard and Judy, obviously, I had. Did you? Did, uh... Their skill, of course, was not knowing. Yeah. Mm. That was what was brilliant about them. I always firmly believing they were serious journalists. Brilliant. Even when they became a ridiculous vaudeville double act. Yeah. That was great. Did uh, Roger de Corsi and Nicky Bear not get a look in? Um, no, I, I, lay, I laid off the inanimates, <laughs> generally speaking. I must do that as well. <laughs> I always... Uh, no, not barbiturates. <laughs> or or it, I suppose that uh, Roger de Corsi took bear barbiturates. <laughs> oh, I love an animal-slash-drug-based pun. We had Roger de Corsi on fantasy football once, and uh, we said, do you still go to football matches, Roger? He said, I don't, I don't go anymore. He said, I had to... I was at Wembley, said, and I was involved in an incident in the Olympic Gallery. <laughs> Weren't we all? <laughs> we never found out. Never found out what that was. Really? But I love the... It's the sinister element yeah. of air of mystery. <laughs> Roger de Corsi involved in an incident in the Olympic Gallery. What could that have Sounds been? Like a great headline for a start. Sounds oh. like Game of Cluedo. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so anyway, so I, I, I tried to think of some... Uh, John Noakes and Shep? No, um, I, I lay off the animal world as well. Really? Yeah, it was. But, oh, you know, I, it, I, I got I got me ten together. Mm. I had the, the people from... I had George Cole and Dennis Waterman from Minder. They oh. were a great comedy double act, I thought. Yeah. Okay. And it got me thinking about that, because double acts are not... You know, you get your standard double acts, but a lot of people operate as a double act in entertainment. Mm. I'm mm. thinking, particularly at the moment, of... Um, Flavia and Russell Grant. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Which is an interesting, um, profoundly symbolic <laughs> thing. It's the kind of the way we all hate the beautiful and the talented that we feel we need to tie them to some sort of fat blob as a punishment. <laughs> a bit like um, Coleridge's Ancient Mariner with the, with the albatross around his neck. <laughs> and, I mean, okay... The, the dancers on um, Strictly are not going to be as good as the professionals, but to, to Flavia, who is a, a tango champion... And they're quite exquisite. Yeah, and, and to have to dance with a man who's not even trying to dance anymore. Isn't He's he? just wearing garish clothes and being a bit camp on there. Oh, well, it's worked in the past, that. Well, it he has. Ju he just wears satin shirts with a flared hem. <laughs> yeah, but I feel so sorry for Flair. And, she, you know, she's got that lovely smile with the dimples, trying to make the best of it, but you could tell she loads him. <laughs> she's very good-natured, unlike Brendan. I, fi I find him less good-natured. Oh, no, he's aggressive, isn't he, Brendan? Mm. Is I think he the one she that bosses them around? I think she could crack, though, Flavia. I think uh, I wouldn't be surprised if he it, open, um, inverted commas, Falls off a balcony, close <laughs> inverted commas. Oh, there'll be some collateral damage with that. <laughs> I wouldn't want to be under it. 
No, but he, he was a man, I don't need to think I'm bitter, but he was a man who told me that my uh, career would only last seven years and that I'd never hold down a long-term relationship when he did my star chart. He didn't. He did, yeah. I didn't know that. Fact. Yeah, he told me both of those things. And I didn't you've know you and Russell oh, had a Oh, I've remembered, yeah. And he's worked no... with them all, and he's worked with them all. <laughs> no mention on Strictly of the fact that he's an astrologer. I haven't heard that. Is, is he not one anymore? What Isn't does he call he himself? he an astronomer? No, no, he's not an astronomer. No. definitely right. not an astronomer. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, that's Patrick Moore and Heather Cooper. Oh, yeah. Yes. Right. Yeah, yeah. But now he's, he's an astrologer. He, so um, what is he being called? He's the one who makes it up. They never, they talk, up. They never talk about it on there at all. I suppose, to be fair, Bruce would rather not know. <laughs> <laughs> I think he would, you know. It'll be like Jesus will come like a thief in the night and, and, and he won't. It'll just, you know, who knows when the hour will come. <laughs> Um, I mean, can you imagine? If he, I reckon that that, uh, that, it, that if he's—I I can't remember if he's gone yet, uh, Russell. But anyway, I, 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 I thought the, you meant the, Bruce. The, the cla- <laughs> yeah, the cla- well, maybe when this goes out, the classic um, Russell ending. If he, it was to say, "Sorry, Russell, you know, it, it's all over. You're going home," would be to him in a snarling, catish way to name the day that Bruce <laughs> Bruce's demise <laughs> and then storm off. Imagine the cold <laughs> atmosphere. If, if Russell gets the boot and he just goes, you've got till next Thursday, Bruce. Is that yeah, what that, that's why they don't have Bruce on the results show on Sunday, because there's always a danger the guests will uh, make some uh, terrible prediction and then storm off. <laughs> and, I mean, Russell, Grant, it's an accident waiting to happen. <laughs> oh, dear. So, um, Alan... Yes? Is it true that you might be purchasing something that's quite dear to Frank's heart? I well, heard a rumour. I'll tell oh you. God, are you buying West Bromwich Albion? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, no, but I, uh, I am. Um, I'm a bit concerned, Frank. I'm going to air this to you. I know. I, uh, since I've been working with you, I've caught myself more and more having Frank-style moments, as I would say. Um, I. I keep getting lost, which is a very Frank Skinner trait. Is that new to you? It is new to me, yeah. That's I mean, weird. I never had a brilliant sense of direction, but I never really noticed the absence of one, and now I'm starting to notice the absence of one. Have you been drinking out of my cup? Because <laughs> uh, there will be some um, poison traces. <laughs> residual poison <laughs> from we, the Frank, poison. Can you stop making oblique references to the fact that Sarah is trying <laughs> to poison you? <laughs> Um, I, I think it's good to upfront it uh, <laughs> because it's going to take nerves of steel to to continue this regime of steady poisoning, yeah. even though I'm making it very public. Yes, she baked cookies for us last week. How did they go down? Well, I've uh, I've eaten one actually just just before uh, yeah. this show. Mm-hmm. Been walking slower. Uh, everything's gone orange. <laughs> 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 to be fair, it was a jaffa cake. <laughs> But I've caught myself uh, appreciating trees more. Really? You often, you often say you love a tree. Oh, I've God. always liked a tree, but now I'm on the train so much because I come to London sometimes mm. twice, three times a week. So the train goes past a lot of trees, and I occasionally see a tree on its own in a field and think, that is a nice tree. Beautiful. And occasionally think Frank would like that. Oh. And <laughs> obviously that. I do a lot of sound checks in my uh, in my other job as a touring comedian. Tickets still available. <laughs> That's my Maasai name. Alan Tickets still available, Cochrane. <laughs> 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 but I, uh, I've sometimes caught myself um, 
performing a little poem or a soliloquy as part of the sound check, wow. which is a definite Frank Skinner trick. Oh, what, yeah. what do you opt for? Well, I occasionally go with uh, a quote from Dejection and Ode, which That's is very Frank. Oh, yeah. A grief without a pang, void, dark and drear, a stifled, drowsy, unimpassioned grief. And, uh, and sometimes I do the balcony speech from Romeo and Juliet. Right. But... Brilliant. Frank is mm, something know, of I'm a... Not... I describe you as a social architect, if you don't mind. A social architect? Mm. Oh, that's what there's no songs about. <laughs> 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 well, I, I, I guess... Uh, I mean, I, I suppose if you hang around with someone, there's a mutual... I was going mean, to put a ukulele on my Christmas list. Well, this is what I was well, I, Can I say, I, I very weird, much recommend that. Really? How much nice can you get Santa. one for, Frank? You can oh, get a decent one for about 20 quid. Can you believe that? Oh, Really, and they're they're not rubbish. The twenty quid ones. No, they're well, you got to you got to uh, you got to try them out, really, in the shop. But you can get twenty quid ones that are that are good. Wow! The thing to do is to try the machine heads and make sure that they tune the the string. So when you turn when you twist them, it, does the sound of that string change, or is it just the same? If it is, you need another one. Oh. Okay. Or go to the shop at the George Formby convention. I say shop. <laughs> It's actually seven old men round a table. Well, that's a right. bigger. That's a bigger investment. Yes. I think we all. Anyone who you hang around with has a sort of. Inf- I mean, you've been. You've had quite a dietary influence. Have on me. I Alan. did wonder if you were catching yourself savouring food. No, no, not so much savouring food, but you've a little couple of maxims you've come out which have really Uh-oh. stuck with me. I was talking about having nuts. I said, but I think they're quite. They're quite fat, and you said, "No, that not so the the right kind of fat." <laughs> and that's I don't really think you've ever done an impression me. of me in my company before. <laughs> I said to my girlfriend, "Apparently, they're the right kind of fat. You can eat oh. those." So now she has the odd knot as well. It's changed. Oh yeah, changed they are. good. Fats. And the other one you said the other week is uh, often when you think you're hungry. You're often thirsty. <laughs> and that's well, also stuck in my mind. That is not an Alan Cochran phrase. That was me quoting a friend of mine who had said that. And I think oh. he's right. I mean, quite often I, I eat when I should probably have some water. I think it that is sounds true. like the sort of thing that um, a troubled teenage girl might say, though. Yeah. Yeah. So I think oh, yeah, I should don't. say that I, food is best. You need some food. Let's make that absolutely yeah. clear. Yeah. And also, I suppose the ultimate... Uh, Influence you've had on me is um, airplane mode. Oh yeah, oh. which I'd seen on my phone, now, but the never Venn touched diagram, before. That's where we cross over. We're Frank, all on airplane mode, exactly the same, Frank. Airplane setting. I've never looked back. We should explain <laughs> that we all put our phones on airplane mode so that we can't be contacted during the uh, show. See, I used to just have it on silent. Occasionally, I'd, I'd read, I'd read a text. You know, oh, we would no. just be at it. You've you've actually rendered me uncontactable. Yeah. I, I pop my phone on airplane mode for um, when I'm recording gigs because there's quite a good um, voice memo recorder on the uh, phone that I have. And if you put it on airplane mode, then nobody's going to ring you while it's recording. Mm-hmm. Oh, Clever. Okay. Yeah, I think Imogen Thomas used that when she was recording gigs. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God. Very similar, very similar. Yeah. No, so it, it's, it's interesting. We're talking about Americanisms mm. on, on the show on uh, Saturday. And um, it only just struck me that, uh, even I talk about this, that it isn't aeroplane mode, is it? Oh, it's no. airplane. Oh, you're yeah. right. So is that what Americans say? Do they say airplane instead of aeroplane? They certainly did in the film titles. Yes. They did. It's airplane. a good point. 
Well, I never really noticed that before. And I, I caught understand. myself the other day thinking I might get some checked trousers. There was some checked but trousers. You, this is, this is get, uh, I think this is a... I'm worried at the end of all this I might believe in a beneficent deity. Where's it, where's <laughs> yeah, it all that, end? That be, yeah, I think I could also get you done for identity theft. <laughs> <laughs> this goes any further. <laughs> my, um, a man who interviewed me this week, can you believe this? It's finally happened. Yeah. He suggested I was a national treasure. Oh! And I rejected it. Out of hand. Did you? I just think national treasures are such terrible people, generally speaking. <laughs> <laughs> Do I want to be in the same Venn diagram as Dame Betty Boothroyd? <laughs> national treasure. I've seen her described as that. Mm. Whereas she should just been described as a fool. A fool. <laughs> so anyway, here I sit on airplane mode, thanks to the cockerel. I am uncontactable. His, his, his role in my life is a bit like um, Annie Wilkes in Misery. <laughs> he has rendered me uncontactable. Yeah. <laughs> Frank, we've had an email in, which I'd like to share with you boys. Uh, this is from Charlie Walker. He says, Dear Frank, Emily and the Cockrell... It's quite a long email, actually, so settle down. Okay. Put yourself on belt on driver setting. Shall we sit cross legged oh, on the floor? I love the belt on driver setting. That's an influence that I yes. would like you to have had. If yeah, I haven't, I haven't really done that oh, yet. Give it a try, honestly. It's very nice. Mm. It's really soothing. Charlie says. Um, <laughs> 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 As I read that, I started laughing in anticipation of your impression. <laughs> uh, Charlie says, your podcast, he's back refing our work here, oh. finally gave me a good reason to email you. Finally. In said podcast, the outlandishly named TJ Baptista Menendez... Oh, I remember him. One yeah. of our regulars, yeah. Mentioned in his postscript that he'd listened to your podcast in 13 interestingly exotic countries. Uh, Frank said right. this made him proud and the cockerel guessed he was on the run. That's right. Sounds mm. like the sort of thing we'd say. <laughs> Over the last 16 months, I've listened to your podcast in no less than 30 countries. Goodness. Including the deserts of Iran, the mountainous wastelands of Tibet, the jungles of Laos, Cambodia and Vietnam, the islands of Indonesia... Hold on, are you about to say hit me with your rhythm stick? <laughs> <laughs> I like the way he doesn't name the countries on their own. He gives us little geographical details. Group massive. Yeah. Uh, I would never say that to you, Frank. It's platonic or friendship. <laughs> the impoverished <laughs> villages of China. Um, what about, my, what about my given stick? I don't know if you've seen that. <laughs> the what countries? The, the impoverished. impoverished villages of China. They're oh. doing quite well now, aren't they, China? Oh, but oh, maybe I'm he's not... been to the impoverished ones. Oh. So I, think I think there's he's... still a little bit of imbalance and... there. Yeah, he's sought out the uh, cheap accommodation areas, <laughs> yeah. China. The Norwegian Arctic tun tundra. Wow. Yeah. I myself have not been on the run. This is Charlie still speaking. Whatever. Excepting... A short stint in Tibet, which resulted in arrest, escape, and subsequent arrest by the Chinese Public Security Bureau. They sound fright frightening, <laughs> don't they? <laughs> but I'm travelling across Asia on a bicycle as part of a four-year expedition. 50,000 miles he's doing. He's travelling on a bicycle. Mm. Brilliant. And his name's Charlie Walker. <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> I take this opportunity to thank you heartily for providing me with countless laughs. Oh, I can't read that as praise. But um, anyway, that's from Charlie. Excellent. What a, what a fabulous thing to do. And what I like the sound of it, he didn't mention any charity. <laughs> so it could be 
one of the rare occasions there of somebody doing something remarkable just because it's remarkable. Yeah. And mm. uh, not because they're trying to save the spectacle bear. Or he could be a people trafficker. We don't really know. Not on we? a... Not, not, we think it's a tandem. <laughs> yeah, yeah like one of those bikes that the he's on a It's on a tandem looking for trouble. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I... Uh, oh, good on That's him. brilliant. Yeah, I like the sound of him. Whereas I listened to a podcast the other day on my journey to... Uh, Bradford, in the car. Oh, <laughs> well, you listened to one of our podcasts? No, I listened to a pod. I had a really sweet moment. You know, I'd, as a as a touring comedian, sometimes your timing just feels off, but I had a very sweet moment. I arrived in Bradford in the car park at mm. the exact moment the podcast that I had been listening to finished. It was very, you know, it just felt like, ah, oh, this is perfect timing, uh-huh. and I'm in the timing business. It was good. Good, I remember remember going to an away game, I think it might have been at Everton, Mm. and on the coach that we were going on, they they put on The Eagle Has Landed. You familiar with that film? (laughs) And uh, we're just coming up to uh, the the denouement at the end, and uh, we arrived, they just switched it off. Oh, Oh, no. And that was it. And on the way back, we watched part of another film. I think it was Return of a Man Called Horse. <laughs> so we saw the uh, the greater part, but not the ending, of two excellent films. I like that you were on the coach. Oh, yes. Well, you, I didn't know you were playing that day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this, was, this was in my earlier days. Um, so, Frank, s- stop all the clocks, because we have some very <laughs> sad news. Oh, no. Um, I'm afraid David, David Suchet... Uh, you, better, A.K.A. Hercule Poirot. Mm. He, his, this character will be no more as of this Christmas. The last episode with Sans Poirot, <laughs> Sans Suchet. <laughs> Sans Suchet. <laughs> That's how I asked for my coffee. Exactly. <laughs> um, he is. It's the final episode. It's. It's got a great title. It's called Curtain. Good. That's the the last. Just curtain. Yes, just curtain. Okay. Yeah. Um. Yeah, so I don't know what you guys think. I don't know if you're Poirot Suchet fans. Well, I'm looking forward to the penultimate episode, <laughs> Pelmet. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a fan of the um, the books. I haven't I haven't seen many of the programmes. Have you actually read the books? I've read some of the Poirot books. And How I thought brilliant. they were great. Mm. I thought they were excellent. And you know when people say that about him, of, oh, he is the only Poirot that looks and seems like the books Poirot. He's he's great at it, according to the books. Mm. You know, he's really good. Oh no, I'm Euston off all the way. I'm Are afraid, you? yeah. Very much so. One only, Mister Peter Eustonar. <laughs> I can't. I, I, he's always part of the the Moffat <laughs> show for me. And Why also, you... it, people always say he was a great raconteur. Mm. Peter Eustonar. Mm. Frank, where do you stand on Poirot? Well, first of all, I read this story and I was uh, stunned and shocked, <laughs> partly because I thought it had ended years ago. Yeah. <laughs> I had no idea he was still doing it. Oh, they're still knocking him out. Um, and then I read a couple of quotes, which I noted. They were the most actory things I've ever heard said in my life. Th- these <laughs> were these two things that he said about Poirot. Sorry, I'm just, I'm just settling down for the <laughs> most actory things you've ever heard. He, <laughs> said, he's, he, said, he said he's of Poirot, the way they oh, do. Yeah. The way they do. He's maddeningly frustrating <laughs> to play as he's so vain and pedantic. <laughs> now, what are you talking about? <laughs> don't, if you don't like it, don't make him vain and pedantic. Then just cut, t- take the edge off it a bit. <laughs> I hate that. Oh, yeah, it's very difficult because he's... When you say he, you mean you. <laughs> yeah. Rubbish. 
And also, he said he's one of the great, greatest listeners in literature, he said, of Poirot. Mm-hmm. Oh. Just, what's that mean? It means, uh, that's a hint, I don't get as many lines as I should. <laughs> but when I don't get lines, I make a big hoo-ha out of listening, so they're still looking at me and not the person who's speaking. Oh, that's clever. Greatest listener in literature. What about that mouse that had an ear drafted onto its back? <laughs> that, what a listener that was. Yeah. The cat couldn't get within 50 yards of it. <laughs> he's, um, he's, he's a bit of a method actor, oh, though, isn't he? Is he? he? Yes, he, ins- he, uh, he speaks in a French accent when he's on set, and he doesn't. He gets into character as Poirot, really? a friend of mine. Yeah, I've heard that, but I don't know how good his French is, because he doesn't actually speak in French, he just speaks in a kind of haw haw voice. And, and oh, okay. Poirot's Belgian, isn't he? Well, that's true. I still speak French, though. Yeah. yeah. All right. Yeah, come on. He's not speaking oh. Flemish. I mean, a vain know. and pedantic character. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah g- give him a chance, Suchet. I suppose um, I suppose they had to call a halt on it anyway, because it's nearly the end of November, isn't it? So they have to, they have oh. to film it all before the end of the month. Well, what's going to happen? Because I, I think I've mentioned before that I know the person who looks after his moustache on the, on the programme. Do you? Yeah, and he gave her a big cardboard version of it with a, with a thank you on, which she's still... Still got in a car, I think. Um, oh. And um, is he going to give away that actual... I mean, there must be a few of them, presumably. Oh, I the think it's... Moustache. They're like yeah, Skippies. Yeah. You know, with Skippy, there was about six of them oh, was uh, there? in knotted sacks in the back of a 4 by 4 arrive at location, they say, which one is lowest on oxygen? We'd better use them in the next thing. Like, it's like spinning plates. <laughs> yeah, there were several Skippies. <laughs> and also they used to have in the back two sticks with um, kangaroo paws nailed on the end so they could do any any delicate work, any oh, delicate really? hand close-ups for Skippy. Oh, nice. <laughs> like the ones when he was you know, working out the combination of a yeah. large safe. Making phone calls. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that kind of thing. <laughs> Calculating. <laughs> Skippy's worked out the square root of 364. Just uh, hold on a minute. Skip's just working looking at whether he's going to make that canyon in a single bound. <laughs> do a bit of geometry. <laughs> yeah, so um, I was... I did think it had gone. But uh, are they going to... Will there be, like, a... Will he die? Will oh, it be I hope like that so. at the end? Well, it's called so. Curtains, so it's not looking good for him. No, that's well. That's well, we true. don't want to spoil it, though. I mean... Maybe he's I, just going to go for a big centre part. <laughs> <laughs> that would be great if he actually had a curtains hairstyle at the end. It ends like with him Bernie saying, no, what do you think of this? And when he pulls them two, when he pulls the two down, <laughs> then, it, then the moustache looks like a bow holding them together. Oh, yeah. Oh, that would be the best Call ending ever. <laughs> <laughs> of course, uh, it, it's, a, it's a great tradition, is it, the last episode? Yes. Of something. Yeah. Like when, um, you know, Victor Meldrew, when he... Oh, yeah, yeah. Victor Meldrew, I like what the idea. at the end of that? I never watched that. It's, how do we get rid of this much-loved comedy sitcom character? What about a hit-and-run? Is that what happened? Yeah, that's how they kill Victor Meldrew, a hit-and-run. Oh. I mean, grim in the extreme. Mm. And the brilliant thing is, that I say it was a national... He was a national treasure, much-loved. Mm. And everyone was really emotional about the fact it was the last episode. And uh, it was the night that Judith Keppel won a million pounds on the, a millionaire on the other channel at the same time. Oh, yeah. Coincidentally. Mm. Yeah. 
Not murky at all. No. And uh, not Angela, not Angela Murky. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and yeah, that was that. So I'm looking forward to the, uh, the I last. Liked, I like the ending of Crossroads. They'd obviously just had enough and they couldn't be bothered anymore. So they just completely gave up and had Jane Asher. Suddenly they went all kind of w- weird and dream sequences and she went, oh, I've just had a dream that I owned a motel. That was actually how they ended. <laughs> oh, she should have said the whole thing was an ornate cake. <laughs> Brilliant. I think they should have ended the crossroads like a who gig. They should have just torn the whole thing down. <laughs> It used to wobble, didn't it, Crossroads? The a lot of, there's a lot of uh, bad things said about Crossroads. I used to love it, but mm. I still think the ultimate description of Crossroads is that it was like pornography without the sex. <laughs> <laughs> Absolute Radio, Frank Skinner.